Welcome to Sabrina Artel's Trailer Talk. I'll bring you all kinds of stories from all kinds of people. Whether it's a live public conversation and we're speaking from the kitchen table of my 1965 Beeline travel trailer, from the studios or on the streets, please sit back and enjoy the conversation right here this time every week. On June 18, 2021, a proclamation was made by President Biden. This year, June 19, 2022, marks the 157th anniversary of Juneteenth. President Biden said, In its celebration of freedom, Juneteenth is a day that should be recognized by all Americans. And that is why I am proud to have consecrated Juneteenth as our newest national holiday. On Juneteenth, we recommit ourselves to the work of equity, equality, and justice. There is still more work to do. I am so happy to be speaking with G. Oliver King, who is a writer, an orator, and an actor. In this episode, I, I want to focus on the work that he's doing to bring historic figures to life, to bring Black history to life for audiences, for our listeners, and why. We are at the 155th anniversary of Juneteenth, which is June 19th. Juneteenth is an annual holiday commemorating the end of slavery in the United States. G. Oliver King orates, he performs the words of Frederick Douglass, who is a renowned abolitionist. He was one of the leaders of the movement for the end of slavery. And there are many writings that, uh, in particular, about this that he wrote between 1845 and 1855. I want to welcome you, Oliver, to Trailer Talk and to find out how this began for you and what you're discovering as you share the words of Frederick Douglass. Well, specifically, there was a General Gordon Granger, who was the, which Gordon happens to be the G in G. Oliver King, my first name. He was a Union army general and he was the one that we that released the information to the slaves in texas two years after the emancipation proclamation was issued by abraham lincoln the news traveled around the country but it took two years to reach texas the people there were overwhelmed with the information with the news that they were freed and uh, they had very specific uh tenets in the uh Emancipation Proclamation and the slaves in uh, Texas, who were really, Texas was one of the worst states for slavery, as we all know. And so when they were freed, they celebrated and they considered June 19th, 1865, their Juneteenth. They decided to name it Juneteenth because of the date that they received this information. Oliver, when did you first learn about Juneteenth? It wasn't that long ago, um, certainly not through high school or uh, any of my education through, uh, you know, I went to Brooklyn College. I suppose I learned about Juneteenth probably in the mid-90s. That's interesting because it was around the same time that I started doing Frederick Douglass. There was an association or there is an association, national organization called the Association for the Study of African-American Life and History. The group that was here in Sullivan County my mom had attended all of their celebrations, which were always held around the 14th of February, which is Frederick Douglass's birthday. The first year that I was here, 1990, when I arrived in Sullivan County from Los Angeles, I 
went to the breakfast with my mom and I was fascinated at all the acknowledgements that were being handed out, uh, scholarships for students, uh, prominent citizens in the Sullivan County community. It was a really big celebration attended by a couple of uh, two, 300 people and an amazing breakfast, I have to say, getting up. Uh, it started at eight o'clock in the morning on a Sunday always. I said to them when I went to the first meeting, I said, oh, you're, you're talking about Frederick Douglass, but there's no real information being given about him. So I, I spoke with Dr. Howard, who was then the uh, president of the association here in Sullivan County. And I said to him, um, perhaps next year I could do an excerpt from one of his speeches. And they said, oh, well, you, you, we can give you five minutes. And I, I was like, oh, five minutes, okay. So um, the good thing was that each year they had a theme for the celebration. So I would find out what that theme was and then pick something from a myriad of Frederick Douglass's works that would relate to the theme that was selected for that year, um, whether it be uh, women's rights or whether it be education, whether it be family, whether it be religion, uh, whatever their theme for the breakfast that year was, I would try to find something that uh, related to Frederick Douglass's works and bring it to the people. And it went over very well. People were really pleased to hear it. So that started it. Frederick Douglass has a lot of writing. He's written he's written three novels and um, over 20 speeches that are recorded uh, based on many different topics. So I was able to find something that related to the theme that the group here selected for their breakfast. And that's pretty much when I started to do Frederick Douglass. Oliver, what did you discover about Frederick Douglass? He's such a significant social reformer and abolitionist and orators such as yourself. What did you learn about him as you began to research his writings and then as you, as an actor, performed them? I believe as an actor, first of all, that it's a real joy to portray a living, you know, a, a living being, a person, an icon, a, a historical figure, because there's so much to work with. There was no recording or you know, a video at the time of Frederick Douglass's life. However, his speeches were written down and captured verbatim. Every one of his speeches is available and verbatim. And he had such passion. I think that's what I discovered about him, that he was a very passionate person starting from childhood. Um, he saw many atrocities as a child around him as a child born into slavery. Um, he was separated from his mother. However, his mother would walk a, a total of 24 miles almost every night after she finished working in the fields as a slave woman to visit her son on another plantation and to see that he went to sleep and that he was comfortable. And she did this all undercover, so to speak, uh, on the down low, as we say now. Um, of course, if she had been discovered, she would have been terribly, terribly punished. So she would walk 12 miles back and forth to visit her son, see that he fell asleep and that he was safe and that he was healthy, shower him with love. And once he fell asleep, she would leave and go back to her plantation. He'd wake up in the morning and she'd be gone. But he knew that she'd be back. And this was all done very secretively. Of course, Frederick's father was the slave master. His mother shared that with him when he was very young. Um, she pretty much told him, but she, uh, you know, that was never a real uh, something to talk about. Mm -hmm. Children were always separated from the mother so that there was no bond between the slaves and their children. 
And when did your interest in Douglas begin? And are there any other historic figures that you have taken an interest in? Well, absolutely. Um, Frederick Douglass uh, began pretty much in the, in the uh, early 90s. Um, I had read very little about him in high school and college uh, through history. Um, a lot of African-American history is not included in American history books. I learned about him, you know, superficially, so to speak, and I knew he existed, and um, I was always interested in learning more. So when I attended this uh, Frederick Douglass breakfast, it really was a motivation to really find out more about him. That's pretty much when it started. As far as other historical figures, uh, I've done Martin Luther King, um, his two greatest speeches, the I Have a Dream speech and the I've Been to the Mountaintop speech, which was given just the... I believe the day before or a few days before he was assassinated. And he talks about the fact that he could die at any time. And then recently I did um, the entire novel written by James Baldwin, The Fire Next Time. Ah. I did that as a reading for the uh, Hurleyville Performing Arts Center. I just did that uh, at the beginning of this year. So, yeah, that's pretty much where I've been focused. But Frederick has so much. Frederick Douglass has so much to, to, to give that um, I'll probably never be able to do all of his works. But uh, between his novels and his speeches, there's a lot there. So I've, I've been pretty much focused on him. Um, there's a lot of different things. I mean, I was born January 31st. He was born February 14th. So we're under the same astrological side of that means anything. And, um, you know, I feel an affinity with him because he was a very powerful speaker and he was very, very, very brave. And um, I do believe he had a quite astounding spiritual connectivity um, because he knew as a child that he was determined not to spend his entire life in slavery. He knew at a very young age that one day he'd escape. He tried to escape the uh, first time at age 15, 16. And he finally, he tried three times to escape. I believe the second time he tried, he spent time in jail, but he was not beaten or, or, or uh, you know, tortured or anything like they did at the time. Somehow he managed to stay in jail for several months without being abused. But he finally escaped slavery at age 20. At age 20, he escaped slavery and then he spent his life fighting for abolition. Right? To, to free the slaves, absolutely. Free to free the slaves. Why do you think it's important to portray historic figures? What is the relationship to what's happening now at present? And how does that connect to how you identify? Well, let's see. That can be answered so many different ways. But I think the fact that people are not totally aware they believe the Emancipation Proclamation sort of came out of, you know, uh, Abraham Lincoln just decided to do this, but he was actually had to be pushed into it. And Frederick had a lot to do with convincing our former President Lincoln to um, actually sign the Emancipation Proclamation. Mm -hmm. um, Lincoln had some emotional connections as a child, too, to slavery. And um, it was part of his, you know, being a lawyer and everything, it was part of his life's work also to bring an end to this injustice, but he just didn't know how to do it. And finally, uh, Frederick Douglass stepped up and said, you know, this is what we, this is what can be done. Um, the Underground Railroad had already been started. 
there were so many different ways that people were uh, trying to bring this injustice to the forefront and say, this can't happen, this is not right. And Frederick was uh, motivated by the fact that he learned to read. It was a, against the law to teach a slave to read or even to learn to read. If, if a slave learned to read, they were severely punished. But Frederick, as a child, as a young man, uh, probably eight, 10 years old, maybe he was uh, living with a slave master and he was working in the house with the slave master's children, two young boys. And he would sit in the background and hear the mother teaching the children how to read. And he would learn to read from that. And when he had time, he would steal uh, magazines and books and things and hide them and try to learn to read. He was successful in learning to read. And once he learned to read, he was, there was no stopping him after that. How does what you're describing connect to what's happening today, this, this legacy? So both culturally, but also for yourself, your personal history. Being born in New York, I feel I was rather uh, fortunate in having been born in New York. Uh, my mom and dad, my, mo- my mother is from South Carolina, and she was a, uh, a descendant of slaves. Um, my dad's history is a little vague. We don't know everything about him, but he was originally born in Virginia. So they both have ancestry connected to slavery, of course. Every African-American in this country does. Mm-hmm. I think the fact what's happening today is the fact that we are trying to hold this country accountable for the, um, dis- for the injustices that were wrought on our ancestors. There was no reason for it except there was greed. Mm-hmm. I think the main reason that slavery was so popular was because it helped people make millions of dollars in industry and in uh, you know, real estate and in farming back in the day. Obviously, the people who were owners of all of this wealth were not able to do the work themselves. I mean, we built the White House, we built, uh, you know, many institutional buildings, we built uh, the colleges and universities, mm-hmm. um, we, we mined for gold, uh, we built the ships, um, all that was done on the backs of slaves. So we actually built this country, mm-hmm. and we were treated unfairly for it. I mean, we weren't giving anything, we were, we were treated like animals, you know, um, like oxen. And to this very day, there are still some discrepancies that exist in this country around the fact of our race, you know, because we were slaves, you know, we were uh, being held back in many different areas. I personally, I know of several instances throughout my life where I felt that I was uh, held back from something. And I think I would be in a different position, of course, if things were different for me throughout my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't hold, you know, the, the race car totally responsible for that. Um, a lot of it has to do with uh, family and, and all kinds of other things. But yeah, um, I think the movement today, the Black Lives Matter movement, mm-hmm. is still focusing on the fact that some of the promises that were made in the Emancipation Proclamation and the Declaration of Independence mm-hmm. for the citizens of this country were not being afforded to the African-American population. I mean, even when the Emancipation Proclamation was written and said that, you know, slaves are free, they still had no access to anything that would further or better their lives. They were still being held back. Oliver, you are 
bringing to life historic figures. And we're talking about your performance, your oration of Frederick Douglass's words, his writings. And I'm wondering if you can share with us what you consider to be the legacy of racism and how you, by portraying Frederick Douglass, sharing his words, his vision, his actions with audiences that you are addressing this legacy of racism in the United States. His intent was to end slavery and eliminate racism based on slavery. Mm -hmm. Most of his work is, is based on you know, bringing equality among the people of the country. The Declaration of Independence and the Emancipation Proclamation spoke to the citizens of the United States. And Douglas was very clear to point out that you say anyone born in this country is a citizen. So all of the slaves born after a certain period of time, I mean, slavery started in the 1600s. Um, so by the time the 1800s rolled around in the late 1700s, millions of black people were born in this country and they were citizens of the United States. And I believe that Frederick Douglass was trying to point this out to the government of the United States, whichever president was in power at the time. And in Frederick Douglass's life, he saw many, many presidents be elected. So he was speaking to the government of the United States to hold them accountable for not treating black people as citizens. You know, anyone born in a country is a citizen of that country. I'm interested to learn then how this resonated for you. You have been traveling in this county and the region performing the words of Frederick Douglass. And I'm interested to learn wh what this means for you. What are you hoping to activate in people that are listening? Just to let them know that this struggle has been going on for over 200 years, that it's nothing new, it's nothing um, inappropriate, that we are fighting for the same rights and the same legacy that all citizens of this wonderful country should have access to. I mean, in, in his uh, 4th of July speech, he says that there's a disparity between what you denote as citizenry. You know, we are citizens of this country, so we have the same rights and the same, we should have the same access to all that this country can offer. Oliver, would you like to read the 4th of July speech? Do you have that available? Um, I do have it available. Let me just pull it up. This is his 4th of July speech where he talks about what the Declaration of Independence actually means. And he goes through how it came to be and how the citizens of this country broke away from the tyranny of Great Britain, but how the slaves were forced to celebrate, although they had no freedom. So there's a disparity, a discrepancy there. But he says, um, what to the American slave is your 4th of July? I answer a day that reveals to him more than all other days in the year the gross injustice and cruelty to which he is the constant victim. Mm. To him, your celebration is a sham, 
your boasted liberty, unholy license, your national greatness, swelling vanity, your sounds of rejoicing are empty and heartless, your denunciations of tyrants, brass-fronted impudence, your shouts of liberty and equality, hollow mockery, your prayers and hymns, your sermons and thanksgivings, with all your religious parade and solemnity are to him mere bombast, fraud, deception, impiety, and hypocrisy, a thin veil to cover up crimes which would disgrace a nation of savages. There is not a nation on the earth guilty of practices more shocking and bloody than are the people of these United States at this very hour. Go where you may, search where you will, roam through all the monarchies and despotisms of the old world, travel through South America, searching out every abuse, and when you have found it, lay your facts by the side of the everyday practices of this nation, and you will say with me that for revolting barbarity and shameless hypocrisy, America reigns without rival. That's the end of his uh, 4th of July speech where he really nails it down exactly that yes. is that America is false to the past, false to the present, and will be false to the future. False to the past, false to the present, false to the future. This is G. Oliver King who is reading from Frederick Douglass. This is the 4th of July speech. It was an excerpt from that. So false to the past, false to the present, false to the future, many complicated occurrences in the United States. I'm wondering how you will take the speech that you just shared with us and if you could relate this to where we are in this present as we move into that future that Frederick Douglass is referring to. Well, it seems that there's still many people in this country that have that mentality of slavery, not the African-American community, but the white community. And they feel that African-Americans are sub-citizens, that naturally we're going to be doing something wrong all the time. You know, we, we've come up with some humorous things like, you know, DWB, driving while black, where you can be pulled over and hassled and harassed for something or nothing, something simple. I've had it happen to me a few times. It's something that we want to stop, you know, that we want to put an end to. And I think that's what the Black Lives Matter movement really focused on. There are so many young African-Americans, young and I would say, I, I wouldn't say old, young, middle-aged, male, female, who are m murdered by police officers in several cities around the country, yes. you know, for the least, the, the smallest offenses. Yes. Um, the, this, the, the, the discrepancy of, you know, the, the amount of time that a young African-American male can spend in jail for the same offense that, uh, let's say, uh, 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 his white counterpart. And these are such important points that you're bringing up and um and painful ones that definitely need to stop it seems that through sharing the words from 
a Black American, a renowned abolitionist, that by bringing him to life through his words, through your performances, that you're hoping to do something. To educate the young African-American population about this particular icon in history. The history books don't cover enough about him. They may have a small, you know, few paragraphs about Frederick Douglass in the history books, which have been all over the past 15, 20 years. So much is eliminated, not in the history books. You hear, you know, chapters and chapters about George Washington and Abraham Lincoln, but, you know, where's Frederick Douglass? He may be one person, but he is one of the most significant people in the history of our race in this country. And I think that... Well, such a significant person for the country. Yeah. Uh, for everyone in, I, I in the country the, as a social reformer, an abolitionist, a, mm-hmm. a writer, right? A statesman. One thing I want to point out, too, that he was always very positive. He wanted everyone to benefit from what he was saying. He wasn't trying to separate the races or say, you know, you go over there and we go over here. He wanted people to be together in a country And he believed that this was one of the greatest ideas for a country on the planet. You know, he wanted America to live up to its true creed, that all men are created equal. He he wasn't saying that, you know, you're wrong and you should die and we should, you know, fight each other. He says, no, live up to the true creed of what you are putting on paper, the Declaration, the Constitution, in the Constitution, and that the country, in order to live up to its true creed, should, should honor that decree. They took the time to write it on paper and to enforce it and gain that independence from a tyrannical government, Great Britain, and um, they weren't living up to its true creed. And he wanted to make people aware of that. And I think that's still kind of happening today. I think that's where it all ties together with the, the Black Lives Matter movement. Let's still keep this going. You know, let's bring it to the forefront, talk about the injustices that have happened, admit to them, you know, why hide them, you know, why ignore them? These things happen and people should know. So I want young people to know that our history didn't start with slavery in this country, that they should look beyond the beginning of our history in this country, where we were brought over here in slave ships, that, you know, we were taken from a, a wonderful beautiful civilization in Africa that they should know about. They should know about the beginning of our existence on this planet, not just where we started with slavery. And I think that would do a lot to improve self-esteem among the African-American community. And young people should hear these things. They should know. Oliver, I'm wondering if there's anything you want to share with us before our conversation concludes. Juneteenth, Um, as we said in the beginning, is when the state of Texas learned of the Emancipation Proclamation. The African burial ground in Kingston, New York. Uh, The burial ground is where many uh, former slaves and some of their descendants were buried in Kingston. They were looking to fill this area in and build on it in the city of Kingston, and the people refused to allow that to happen. So they formed this organization, they preserved the cemetery, and they're looking to get uh, national recognition as a landmark. Harambe Kingston, New York dot org. I want to thank you so much, Oliver, for taking your time, for sharing the words of Frederick Douglass, and also 
sharing your thoughts about bringing a historic figure to our present and what we can learn from those speeches and from those writings of Frederick Douglass. We are very welcome and thank you so much for inviting me. It's been a pleasure to talk with you, Sabrina. I've been speaking with G. Oliver King, who is a writer, an orator, and an actor. He was sharing with us the words of Frederick Douglass, also the history of Juneteenth. There's more information about Juneteenth at Juneteenth.com. From the kitchen table, out on the road, I'm Sabrina Artell. Thanks for joining me for Sabrina Artell's Trailer Talk. The music for the show, Patti Smith, People Have the Power. Trailer Talk is produced by Sabrina Artell. For more information, please visit trailertalk.net. Special thanks to WJFF Radio Catskill and the numerous people who have donated their time, resources, and conversations to make Trailer Talk possible. Thank you all who joined me in these conversations. I'm Sabrina Artell. Safe travels. <laughs>